Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Absolutely Not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. I'm a certified career coach and HR consultant who created this space because so many professionals out there have difficulty setting boundaries, and I want them to stop having difficulties doing so, myself included. So I bring resources onto the show so they can share their experiences with us so that we know that this is a practice thing that we can do every single day in environments, and we know when we can't practice it in what environments. Before we dive into today's topic, I'd like to define some words that we use frequently on the show. The first being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. An example of a boundary would be recently I stopped or I deleted the Slack app on my phone. I know that's like a super huge thing, but now they can't contact me on my phone. Boo-hoo. Gaslighting to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. My special guest today provided me with an example of gaslighting. For instance, when you go up to your manager and say, hey, I'm concerned about this thing. And they ask you, okay, what was your involvement with that thing? Did you have something to do with that? Maybe that's why you're concerned about it. That's gaslighting. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. That same manager, if you go up to that manager and say, hey, this is still occurring. Can we please have a conversation about this? And they say, go do your job or you're going to be fired. That's dismissive. Today's episode is entitled, my authenticity is not a threat. I know such a heavy title, but my special guest is going to go into why it's titled that today. And my special guest is Farzine Farzad. Yay! Oh, hold up. I know you have my notes up. Thank you for having me. <laughs> he is a DEI practitioner with experience in higher education, local government, and the private sector, holding two master's degrees in inter international affairs and diplomacy, as well as a certificate in conflict resolution skills. Farzine leverages his unique academic background, extensive travel experience, and experimental knowledge to provide comprehensive, thought-provoking, local, global approaches to DEI work. Farzine is the owner and principal of Critical Equity Consulting LLC, a boutique DEI consulting firm focused on helping organizations rebuild with a primary focus on creating equitable, outcomes. Yay! Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I was uh, really, really excited for this. So looking forward to the conversation. I'm so very excited. And as I said, I'm excited because of the title alone. Could you talk about why this is entitled My Authenticity is Not a Threat? Yeah, I think uh, I think when we were having our conversation, it, kind of, it just kind of flowed naturally. And um, I mean, it's, it's something that uh, I've been thinking about pretty much all of my life in, in, in whatever space I kind of enter, it's that this, this sort of um, immediate othering and uh, like the extra like uh, amount of energy you have to uh, put into proving yourself, um, whereas others don't. So, you know, I, you know, I think that like, if I'm gonna be viewed as a threat, then I should have a stake in that, right? <laughs> so um, to, to, to kind of have that societally appointed to you, um, is, is, is troublesome and problematic, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, um, a toll on your, a uh, big toll on your mental health. And so um, I think this is, this is really important because um, it goes to, uh, speaks to a lot of things that 
um, society does to you where you have less control over it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you can, you, can, you can build the trust, you can build um, uh, the sort of connections uh, where, you know, people kind of view you less as a threat, but the damage is still there and, you know, the damage is already done, right? So, um, you know, it's just, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of sort of uh, momentum from um, what you need to do in that given moment. And then it just, it puts it, you know, and it puts you in a situation where um, you have to work extra hard to build trust and you have to, um, you know, it's just a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work that you don't, you shouldn't have to do, right? Um, I hated that answer very much. <laughs> and I, um, <laughs> I hated it Sorry. because um, <laughs> um, it just reminded me of everything I've had to do my entire life is just work harder. And I've been told that since I was a child. Um, and I think a lot of people that are that kind of grew up similar to us or have the same ideals kind of implanted in us at a very early age we don't learn about boundaries early in our life. It's just something that's not really taught to us. Um, when did you start learning about boundaries or have, or is this the first time you've talked about boundaries? Uh, this is the first time I'm talking about boundaries. I actually learned about boundaries later in life. I mean, um, I, I come from a, a culture where like, you know, it's that, and, and, and because of, you know, my parents being immigrants and, and kind of being um, like uh, kind of exposed to a lot of these things. Like what I, what I grew up is, uh, is like, you know, you, you go, you, you do work harder. You, you do go the extra mile and like, you know, you just kind of don't worry about uh, the problems. You, you just, you just tough it, tough it out and keep going and going and going. And so like, um, and uh, you know, I mean, that, you know, I, I don't want to st stereotype and say like that's the entire immigrant experience, but um, for for you know my background and, and my um, family, I think there was that um, sort of uh, uh, mentality coming in where like you know you there, there's no like there's no concept of um, this might affect your your mental health like like we I mean I, I had no idea what that, <laughs> my, my, even even though like my father's a psychiatrist right. Even that, like, uh, it, it was everything for him um, was uh, specifically with, uh, you know, name disorders that, you know, that, uh, you know, you can find in the DSM back then it was like four or something, I can't remember. Um, but like, there was no concept of well-being associated with this, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I learned about boundaries later in life. Um, and uh, I had a few uh, uh, great, I think, um, in, in, the, in the middle and like my late 20s, I guess. Um, I had a few great uh, mentors that kind of were like, you know, you know, you can do this, right? You know, you don't have to say yes to everything. Um, because I found myself like saying yes a lot and getting frustrated and, and just, you know, I don't know what to do. Like I overcommitted and all this stuff. So. No, it was like it was later in life. I, I want to say probably not not mid to late twenties. I want to say late twenties to early thirties is when I kind of started discovering that you know you don't you don't have to you you, you can take control over your own mm -hmm. schedule and 
and, and, and uh, you know, just life trajectory, I guess, so. Oh, and I love that you, at least you learned the lesson. A lot of us are still learning the lesson now. Um, the part where you said, you know, you can do this, you can take control of your own schedule. Um, a lot of that was me kind of thinking about when I had difficulty setting boundaries, I was thinking about who do I ask permission for this? Who, who do I get the okay on this? I, I mean, I grew up in a very Samoan household and I um, went immediately into the military. So it's very like, you need to ask somebody to do something with your life. Yeah. Um, was your life pretty similar? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, like, I, I, very similar because I, I never had those like sort of experiences growing up to, 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 to no, I mean, nobody told me these things, right? So like, even though like, I, you know, I was reading all sorts of philosophy about like empowerment and like, you know, um, liberation of, uh, I, I never like, it never clicked that I have, I, I can do that for my own life. Like I always viewed it in like, uh, you know, like revolutionary kind of uh, groups taking arms and, and fighting powers and stuff like that. And so, because, I mean, I, I studied uh, a, a lot of that stuff, but then, you know, it, it, it clicked after a while that like, you know, you can take command of your own labor as well. It's not, you know, it's not like completely in the realm of um, these abstract concepts or like, you know, these historical things like, that applies to you too. Like you are a part of society, you are a part of history. And, uh, and like, if we as individuals um, decide, like adopt this mentality, then collectively we can uh, achieve, these, uh, achieve these things. So um, if we're in a place where all, like, you know, we, we've kind of been indoctrinated um, and propagandized to like consistently um, give more of ourselves to our employers and other and others um, because that's what society tells us right you know we we see we see all these uh uh like i mean you know the things that when i first started in the workplace like the things that were like you know popular to say were like i'm the first one to enter and the last one to leave and all these things like just like overwork you know, you're overworking yourself and that is a virtue. And then like, you know, I, I believed it, right? Um, and also like, you know, nobody told me otherwise when I was younger. <laughs> but like after a while, like, you know, as with, with uh, you know, I had, I'd, like I said, I had a few people that really told me that, you know, you can do this and it clicked. Um, after a while, I realized like, wow, like what am I, like, you know, is, is like this, this job, you know, isn't really, it's not, I'm not a first responder. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not a life or death situation where um, I have to be there. The work can wait. And even if you're in those situations, you still need rest, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, you can speak to that much better than I can, but like, you can't, you, you have, you have to, you have to, you know, take ownership of, um, your own life, your own labor, your own time, you know, that's, that's important to you. That's important to everyone. Yeah. yeah everyone in the room. Um, I just want to repeat the part where you said giving more of yourself to your employer. It was, it's very visual for me. And it just imagined myself giving like my entire body to my employer and just me having like my hand, and <laughs> they get like the rest of my body. 
And that's pretty crazy because um, that's what most of us do or what we were indoctrinated. Like, this is what work is. You do the 40 to 45 hours a week and you just be happy at 48 hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah to, to add to that, like, you know, we have this uh, view in this country of labor being um, like, there's a very paternalistic view of, uh, of, of our jobs. Like, we even use the term job creator to describe people who, you know, are essentially employers, right? And, and think how much power is in that. Like, you, you know, yeah, it's, it's so paternalistic. It, it, it's almost like this job is a gift and be happy with it and do whatever I tell you to and just shut up and keep going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, you look at other places and they have a very healthy view, uh, some other places, not they have a much more healthy view of, of, of labor. Like, you know, you have a need, I can fill that need with my skills, you know, and, and my work product, and it's a mutual exchange. Mm. Right? Whereas like here, it's just so like, um, it's like a job is a gift or, and you're like, no, like I'm, you know, I'm working, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling my skills and I expect adequate labor, uh, adequate compensation for that labor, right? I expect a mu- it's a mutual exchange, right? We have to adopt that mentality. Otherwise, like we're still continuously just, oh, like I got, I got to keep this job. I got to keep this job. Like they, they gave me the job. It's, uh, you know, if, if I lose it, like I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, a lot of places, unfortunately, you still have to do that practically. But like um, the more we, we move away from that sort of paternalistic uh, view where your employer has all the power in the situation, um, the better we are. And that requires collective social safety nets, right? So the more safety nets we have, the more we can, you know, job, not job hop, but, uh, you know, find new work and in, in things that are more su- suitable for, for us, right? So, um, so I think there's a, there's a societal responsibility there as well. Uh, um, so, yeah. And I love that you use the word what we're expecting, because I use the word expectations a lot on the show. And when you go into positions or new employers and you don't really have high expectations, then they they show you that they're like, okay, cool. Your expectations are dirt. We'll just treat you like dirt. Have you ever had an experience like that before? Um, Expectations uh, uh, from the employer. Yes. Very low. Just very um I don't, know, I don't know like low expectations maybe not so much uh maybe very high expectations um i mean i don't know like it, well from the employer's side it's always been it's always been unreachable expectations mm. for me it's always i i i do i'm so like i've been i, I mean this is historic like because of my you know my bad experiences, but I'm always like a little, like when I enter a new work uh, environment, I'm always like a little kind of uh, hesitant. So I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I try not to get like enamored by uh, the show, right? Like, I mean, you have your honeymoon period, you have like the cool perks and everything, but um, I'm, I'm always like, because of the, these past experiences for me, I always enter a situation, I'm like, okay, they got this, they got this, that's cool. <laughs> What, what's hiding in the back, right? Mm. You know, what's gonna, what's gonna pop out, you know, uh, later and, and, and just kind of ruin it all, right? 
like what kind of behaviors exist. Uh, you know, I don't care about the foosball table. I'm more worried about the interpersonal interactions and my relationship with my supervisor and the, the distance to leadership and my personal trajectory, right? Like, because, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I have myself in, in the past been, been sort of uh, um, dazzled, you know, in the outset. Yeah. Oh, and when you went into those dazzling environments, did you have strong boundaries or were you just learning about boundaries? I think then I was learning about boundaries mm -hmm. more so than, um, but I mean, even, even if you do have, even if you're a good boundary setter, it's like, those environments on the outset are designed to, to, to kind of wow you. So you, you kind of, you break your walls down immediately, right? And I mean, in, in most situations, that's a good thing. But if, if the, I mean, I'm, I'm using this term deliberately and, uh, but if the intention of the workplace is to exploit you, you know, they're gonna dazzle you in the beginning and then if, like three months, four months, even sometimes a year later, you're gonna realize, wow, like I am working 60, 70 hours a week. I didn't realize I was doing this. I, I didn't realize, I mean, this was gonna happen. Um, then it's, you start to internalize that yourself. You're like, well, how did I get here? What did I do to, you know, to, to was I saying yes too much? Like, and then it, you, you get in your own head and then, you know, it's like a, it's a reinforcing thing. So, um, but, uh, yeah, what was the question? Sorry, guys. <laughs> You're okay. Um, well, I have a new question now. What would you say to those people that are in dad or have entered dazzling environments and starting to realize, oh, it is not that dazzling here. What would you say to them? What would the next steps be? They're starting to see the red flags and the disco ball has faded. Um, well, uh, I think it's important, um, to start, uh, kind of, I mean, even jotting it on paper, right? Just so you can assess it down the road. So when you start seeing problematic behaviors, um, uh, you know, the natural thing is to kind of be cautious and, and not say anything, right? If you're in a new environment, you don't want to speak out as much, right? So, um, you know, there's this great graphic that, uh, infographic that's floating around on the internet. It's, I think it's called the the quote problem of the women of color in a nonprofit, and it basically and, and profit uh, problem is like per, you know parent um, uh, what is it what are these is it that's not quotations quotations quoted I, well, it's in quotations so um, anyhow the, the like it shows you like uh, how uh, typically. Um, people of color, especially women of color, enter the work work phase uh, or workforce in, in a given situation. There's a honeymoon period. Then um, they start, you know, that that kind of starts, you know, fading away. And then they see certain things happening. And then you know, the workload is increasing beyond that. That other duties is assigned is becoming, you know, bigger and bigger. Um, and then you know, you you you're confronted with two choices: either Put your head down, don't say anything, survive, or say something and then risk the organization and all its, you know, its parts kind of coming back at you. You say something, that happens, you get even more frustrated, and you either retreat into yourself or you just you leave, right? So 
that happens um, quite a bit. So when you're entering in an environment like that, I think it's very important to not dismiss like your experiences. I think we have a tendency to be like, oh, like, you know, that's just one thing. And then that one thing, because, oh, that's another thing. That's another, and then just so like, you know, take notes, right? Take notes of your experience. Um, you know, if you're feeling comfortable, raise it with your supervisor. If, uh, if you don't feel comfortable with your supervisor or their supervisor, you can always go to you know HR. Unfortunately, our places uh, HR isn't uh, an arm of. Um, it's an it's it's more of an arm to protect the organization than it is to. Uh, that's not everywhere. I mean, some places are very progressive, but um, but th these are all assessments you have to make. And so, um, so like you know, if you're in a position where you realize, you know, this place is not for me or even toxic, um, you have, you have decisions to make, right? Mm. So you, you have to worry, you know, there, there's, and this is why it's, there's a lot of no-win situations in, 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 in these things. And so no, no one has it right, right? Like, you're not going to, no one, no one's figured out the secret sauce to entering a toxic work environment and, and, and thriving there, right? You're, you're one person, you're not going to change a system uh, most of the time. So, um, but, so I will, so we have to, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, you know, you, you tend to test out the waters, you, you say something, you see, you gauge the response of your uh, HR or your supervisor. Um, and then if there is, if they take it seriously, then that builds trust, right? You, you build trust in your organization and it makes you want to stay. But if, you know, they do your, uh, your typical micro invalidation, like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean to say that. And they're protecting the, you know, the, the sort, of, sort of dismissive behaviors, you know, you mentioned in the, in the beginning. Um, so then you, uh, you, you know, you have, you have that decision to make, like, am I going to stay here? Is it worth it for me to stay here? Um, what period of time can I tolerate this until, you know, I, I apply and find uh, um, new work? I think these things are doubly like difficult or even exponentially uh, difficult for um, for people who uh, are from marginalized backgrounds, right? Uh, historically marginalized backgrounds or other communities, you know, because. You can't just easily transition into a, a new work environment. You know, you, if you have, uh, you got to put food on your table, on the table for your family. You have a lot of responsibility, um, and uh, you know the, the the job search process is not as easy for you. There's so many more barriers, right? So it's so much harder, right? And these are systemic issues. These are, I mean, to no fault of your own. I think we like. Um, we should make sure that we, we we put that out there. Like these are these are societal and systemic issues, and don't internalize it. Like, don't don't take into, don't don't try and clean up a toxic workplace, um, and don't try and fix society. Do what you can incrementally. I mean, obviously, like I'm all for intervention. I'm all for for change. That's my entire life is focused on like trying to you know change these systems. But like, but um. But yeah, I mean, you have decisions to make. So I, I would start recording everything. I, I would, you know, speak out if you feel comfortable. Um, but if it's like, if it's it's really, really problematic, um, you know, you can you can leave. I will, there was one last thing that I will say. 
there's a lot, I mean, thankfully there's a lot more accountability in society now than I've ever experienced in my entire lifetime. I mean, people are on Twitter, people are on Facebook, uh, you know, like trashing these companies for, for doing things. And so um, there is a little bit of leverage there. And uh, 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 recently I had a conversation with uh, Netta Jenkins who um, is starting this platform called Dipper. And it's sort of like Glassdoor for people of color. Uh, to kind of talk about the workplaces. So more options are available to you, I mean, to, to do these things. And, um, but still it's, it's tough, tough. Um, but I've been, I've been talking for- <laughs> You're okay. It's, uh, it's so very insightful. I, I appreciate you sharing this knowledge with us. Um, one of the phrases that you used was, you have a decision to make. So anybody who's listening to this conversation, although there's a lot of, um, societal reasons and systemic reasons as to why it's going to be very hard for you to make that decision. He still said, when those red flags pop up, when you start making that list, there's a decision that needs to be made and that decision lies with you. Um, in setting these boundaries, you are ensuring that you're able to make a very sound decision. Because if you just kind of internalize things that's going on around you or just kind of dismiss them within yourself, you're just allowing um, these things to kind of pass through and not really getting the information and data you need from the organization. So yeah, um, it sounds like you're able to set boundaries pretty easily. When was the last time you had to set a boundary with someone at work? Uh, I'm good at talking about it. I don't know if I'm good at actually oh, okay. Um, I struggle with it too, right? I, I, uh, I am the type of person that um, does sort of overcommit, right? Like, you know, I, I always want to, I mean, I, I always want to provide like my voice and, 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 and sort of, you know, like, what can I do? Like, you know, and, and, and so um, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm still learning, right? Uh, you know, this was introduced to me 10, 15 years ago and I'm, well, a lot more than actually 20, 15, 20 um uh yeah uh so like i'm still i'm still like learning these things and so um uh uh and like kind of figuring out like exactly a process for it mm -hmm. is becoming um something for me so like some of the things that you know i've learned to do over time is like you know block out portions of your calendar like right like just Make sure that um, make sure that like you know people know that you 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 don't you just no I, I don't have availability at this time because I have all these other things and um, honestly uh, if you are like me like where you want to kind of you know get involved in like you know just help and stuff like that if you're over committing how can you possibly be you know you know like uh, do do good work, right? Like you, your your mind is in all different directions. Like you want to concentrate and focus on focus on one thing at a time and do one thing really well, right? Like so, one or a couple, one or a couple things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's that. Uh, but it's also important to to recognize. You know, we were talking about entering the the environment. So it's it's, it's a good idea to have some qu good questions lined up when in interview. Uh, get a sense for the organization before you enter. Um, you know read the glass door reviews if 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 people are like uh you know there's no boundaries people are overworked here um 
that's a decision yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm learning myself. Um, uh, and so uh, I think I think there is some some beauty in a process. So like, you know, kind of uh, think of ways of actually really, um, really doing this, like uh, block out your calendar and commit to it. And then, um, and so be comfortable with saying no, um, be comfortable with the idea and, and saying no doesn't mean you don't care, right? It's just that I don't have the time for this at this very moment, maybe in the future I can. Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things like that where you can, you can take ownership of your own schedule, take ownership of your own time. And that's, that's super important, you know, um, both to you and the people that, you know, need you, right? So. And they, and they do need you, but they need you at a hundred percent, not 5% of whatever time I have left because I said yes to a million things. Um, I love that you touched on the questions that you should be asking in the interviews. Um, I myself have been sexually harassed in every single organization I've ever been a part of. So during interview processes, I ask about the sexual harassment policy and reporting process. It does throw a lot of hiring managers for a loop, but then I fucking know that you guys don't know what the hell you're doing when it yeah. comes to sexual harassment. Or if they say, oh, we don't have that here. I'm like, cool, you're lying. <laughs> no, you, you can really tell, like if people get uncomfortable with, with those types of questions, you can really tell like what kind of environment you're about mm -hmm. in. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super important to, to kind of get this, get that reading in, in the outset to, for your own, you know, uh, safety. Right. For your own safety. Anyone who's listening or listening to this later for your own safety. It's not to make that person uncomfortable. It's not to, um, give them a difficult time during the interview. It's to ensure that you're going to be safe in that organization when you enter that door. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be checking out in what was the dazzle time? Three to four months. Yeah, dazzle. Very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it doesn't become evident till till a year later. You oh, know. Okay. But uh, sooner or later, the dazzle time will end, and you'll just have to take that dazzle with you, I guess. Um, but I'm yeah. so glad that you're still learning about boundaries, and so everyone in the audience knows, hey, this person is still learning about boundaries and still implementing processes where they can. Has anybody been helping you and growing in your boundaries to stand firmer in them? Um, I think my, my family, my, my wife, uh, you know, she's, she's pretty good at it. Uh, oh. And so, um, so she's been doing some coaching for me. And, uh, you know, I think like uh, just, uh, I, I'm the type of person that sort of wears his heart on his sleeve. Like I, I talk about myself too much. So like, a lot of people have been sharing like their their uh, their um, tips with me. Like uh, well, uh, a friend of mine just recently talked about like how they um, they had to just cut cut off a, a client, you know, because you know I'm in business for myself, and so literally they 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 quote fired their client, right? And I was like, wow, you can do that. And so they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, if it's not working out, you built it into the contract, right? Um, so, and that's also, that's also very important. Like you were talking about the sexual harassment policy. Oh, like everything written is, is, is like, is, is your go-to, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you can reference. And, uh, 
Um, but but yeah, so that that that's sort of like if it's not working out, like you know, you, unless like you're, I mean, you have to determine how obligated you are to continue the relationship. But like, um, but yeah, so uh, I think a lot of people have just been volunteering some of these things, and but it's it's mostly been uh, kind of my wife because uh, she has uh, she has a much better understanding of um, the uh, business environment. And, and so like, uh, you know, like contracts and getting things on paper and defining boundaries in the outset, like even in your contract, right? You can, um, if, you're, if you're in business for yourself uh, and, and uh, a shout out to uh, a Janelle Benjamin, who told me recently that um, she literally built in her time available in her contract. Like I will not answer um, emails or like, uh, don't text me you know, in um, like after like 5 p.m. or something like that. So I think that that's, you know, that's uh, that's uh, very important. And, you know, like if, if it happens, like you're not obligated, right? And they raise a concern like, oh, it's in the contract. <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and some, some employers make their employee handbooks public. So, you know, you can go in and read their policies and things like that. And, um, obviously you want, you know, if it's not there, you can, Ask uh, for it in the interview, like like you've done, and that's, I mean, that's really smart and like to do because, I mean, that that's the those are the constitute those are the foundational documents. That's what you're going to reference. <laughs> oh man, that's I'm so glad that you have a support system around you and amazing people who are kind of um, giving you insights on how to set boundaries in your business. Has anyone helped you or have you ever had to set boundaries when you weren't in your own business and when you were working with other people and had managers and such? Um, more, uh, uh, less so in, in those situations. I, I don't think, uh, I think we still, I mean, even when I worked in local government, there was still this sort of like, uh, mm -hmm. this, this like hyper-capitalist culture of just more, 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 work more, you know, this is a virtue and all this stuff. And so uh, people were uh, reluctant, um, except except a couple places that I worked in where, um, you know, uh, and and the, the ones that I, I think of that, you know, told me to kind of do this were, were black women. Um, and so like, and because like that doesn't exist in my culture <laughs> as much. And so like, it was, it was kind of eye-opening, you know, like, uh, uh, to, to hear that. And like, this is, you know, this is, there's this cognizance of exploitation that, um, that, uh, these individuals had that like, I was, I was sort of at that moment, not aware to, and I was buying into all mm -hmm. these like flashy sort of like things that, you know, are, um, are like even, even, you know the rich dad poor dad stuff and all the stuff about like bootstraps and overworking and working super hard you know and you're running you know you're 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 a rat in a cage right you're just kind of doing this thing you're you're sisyphus you're pushing a, a boulder uphill forever um and so like if you're in that situation you know you don't owe anybody anything you 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 you're you're selling your labor right like so like, uh, or you don't owe the, not anybody anything, but you don't owe the organization much more than, 
than that mutual exchange that we were talking about. Oh man. And if for anybody listening, if you don't take anything else away from this, please take away his phrase, um, buying into just being cognizant of what you're buying into. Even if you're still the rat in the cage right now, try to be more cognizant of it. Like what cage are you in? Did you build the cage? Or, or do you own the rat in the cage? Like see which parts of this system you're taking ownership of and where you can take ownership. Because if you don't, then somebody owns that cage, somebody owns that rat, somebody owns that wheel and yeah, they'll feed you when they can, I guess. I, that's awful. That is an awful. <laughs> we, we decide when your lunch break is. Yeah, see, that's awful. Oh my gosh. Um, so you have shared so much with us. If you could share the top three tips for professionals that are trying to get into the field that you've been in, or maybe starting their own business um, for setting boundaries and just being more firm in yourself and true to yourself. Uh, yeah. So um, one, I, 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 you know, I'm big on uh, taking command of your own calendar, right? Like uh, blocking out certain uh, times where you need time to de-stress, to think. Um, and, you know, you don't owe anybody an explanation for that. Uh, and so, uh, uh, taking ownership of your calendar, um, too, I think we, we talked about this as well is like in the outset, trying to learn as much about it, the work environment as you can before you're entering it, um, you know, get their sexual harassment policy, get their employee handbook, uh, ask the questions. Um, and so, uh, you know, kind of get the sense for, um, like, you know, how they're, how, they're, how they're talking about employment, right? How they're talking about the job. Is it, is it from a, like, do the words that they're using or the, the mannerisms that they have, is it, is it coming from a place of power flowing down to you? Um, or is it coming from a place of like, yeah, like this is, this is, this is a mutual thing. Like, you know, we need, we need people like you. And, um, and, uh, and so there's a, there's like this understanding that like, um, that you hold some power in this situation. Um, the third thing I will say, uh, I got some uh, kind of uh, not great advice um, at some point uh, where it was kind of like, if there is a, you know, if there's an opportunity, just take it, you can figure out the timing. Um, you, you can, you can do that. and. And, and client projects will clash and then then you're faced with what do I do and then now you got to worry about can do I do I have the capacity to hire somebody um, or like what, what do I have to do like I cannot I don't have the bandwidth to do these two or three things at once um, be very like I'm I'm I'm, I'm learning uh, like the, the path to one of the best paths to boundary setting is understand your own schedule understand your own bandwidth uh, within that schedule and what you can and cannot do. Um, really plan ahead, right? Like really get a sense for, for, for the future. And so if, if, um, and it's okay if they're like, we need this by this time for you to be like, look, I have a lot of client responsibilities that those next few weeks um, and then provide an, a, an alternate date. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. Like, I mean, um, I'm, I'm not gonna promise you that there's gonna be more work out there for you, but, uh, but there probably will be. And, uh, 
And so, you know, it didn't work out this time. You've already built that relationship. If they're, if they're interested in you, then, you know, they may come back. They most likely will come back to you. So uh, really like just like, I cannot stress this enough, really understand your own calendar, right? Like really just plan things out like uh, as much as humanly. But I'm not a planner at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm whimsical when it comes to my future. So like, I'm like, yeah, I could do that. And then eventually, you know, you overcommit. And then like we were saying, you're not putting your 100% into any one thing and you're just kind of divided. And you know, what, what you set out to do, like uh, your impact is even lower, right? And it's not, it's not just like money. It's, it's the exchange of money. It's, it's like the impact that you want to, like everybody wants to have impact in their work, right? And your impact is uh, declining. So your, your, your ability to, to make positive change is also diminishing there. So, um, so plan it out months, uh, months in advance, really get a sense for like uh, the gaps of time you have and your ability to kind of uh, do that and then build, build in. Um, and, and this is also important for businesses to, to build in unexpected um, things. So there might be a client that comes and says, uh, you know, like something was wrong, like there's extra work that's got to be done. Obviously, you're going to bill them for it. But, um, you know, th those kinds of few hours, maybe a week of just accounting for any sort of unexpected things that come up. So nice. I Very good tips. Um, when you were talking about capacity and bandwidth, I want, when people talk, I have like visions or pictures in my head. And all that popped in my head was careful Icarus um, because your capacity and your bandwidth, um, if your wax wings are too close to the sun, you're just gonna drop right out of the sky. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know why that popped in my As soon as you said capacity and bandwidth, yeah, yeah drop right, right, right out of the sky. So that's awful. Try not to do that. Anybody who's listening, make sure that you are mindful and cognizant of your bandwidth and your capacity. Um, I have a three-year-old son right now. After 5 p.m., I can't, I can't, I cannot. I have to go do the kisses, the hugs, the, the mommy business that I have to do. And that's my capacity. That's my bandwidth. So, yeah. And, and don't schedule things back to back. <laughs> I will say, that's one thing I'm learning is like, you know, I've done trainings and then immediately I have like, okay, so we're go after that training, we're going to go and do a brainstorming session on this one thing, like maybe a policy development paper and stuff give yourself an hour or two hours or whatever like or like schedule it for the following day right like um you're also going to be exhausted from those things and are you, like you should you should when 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 you're kind of doing this you should you should understand that you're also building in time for your rest and recovery mm -hmm. to be able to again once again kind of like as close to that 100 percent attention uh, as, as you can like get, get into this thing so um you know i've uh, like when you have an open calendar people like uh so i've been in places where calendars are open and people just schedule things mm -hmm. like oh you have space here so then i had to learn like um literally even in half hour increments like not not available not available, mm -hmm. not available. like uh um you know you also don't know like if things go over um but like, you know, like you are, you are not like 40 hour work week, you are not obligated to be in meetings for 40 hours. You know, you, you know, you have to build in time 
to do the work, to do work work, right? Like desk work. Otherwise you're gonna do that after hours. And so that's also, um, that's also important. Right, super important. And I, um, <clears throat> so I am still on my journey of setting boundaries. And one thing that's helped me a lot is Calendly because you can like set your schedule. And so when I send out the thing, it'll just say, oh no, she's not available on Tuesday and Thursday. So that's what popped up to my head in my head is if anybody out there is like, oh, I could never tell people no right now, start looking for that software, start looking for those tools, those nonverbal tools that you can use for right now. But let me tell you, at some point you're gonna have to vocalize those boundaries, but we'll get there when we get there. In the meantime, keep listening to absolutely not. Um, I now will open it to the floor. So anybody that has questions or comments for us, let's see what you have to say. I'm gonna read the chat. And if you'd like, you can come off mute. Farzine is in the hot seat right now. He knows everything about anything on the planet. Look at his dress. So please feel free to ask him anything. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody said hi. Oh, they love your headphones. <laughs> Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, openly state they do not have policies to protect, right? And this is why you have to ask those questions in the interview. Because what if you ask, hey, how's your, um, what happens if somebody reports discrimination and they say, well, we don't have any policy or procedures for that at all. Like, cool. Huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an Icarus reference I first saw. <laughs> Yeah, Icarus. Oh my gosh. Icarus pops in my head a lot. So that's probably not your part, Farsi. I, uh, the, the image of uh, like the, him sprawled out, like uh, it's from a painting, I think, or with like the, the wings melting and him falling, like his, his arms and legs kind of like, you know, that, that, that always sticks with me. Um, but yeah, you definitely can fly too close to the sun. And, uh, and you don't want that because then you fall flat and then you can't help anyone, right? Right. Oh, okay. I do have some, oh, somebody has a question. Exactly. And people just watching him and doing nothing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you suggest in handling workplace issues between white women in leadership and usually black women who are perceived as a threat? Ooh. What do you suggest in handling workplace issue? Ah, that's so tough. Um, so, uh, Michelle, this is why this is why I think I started Critical Equity Consulting uh, with this orientation toward equity and systems, um, and, and leading with equity and inclusion over um, individual sort of uh, action. So, I, I just want to kind of throw that out there. Um, I'm a firm believer in that system systems and environments influence behavior. So if you have a inclusive and equitable uh, culture in your organization, that's gonna lead to better, um, uh, better sort of behavioral outcomes. Um, with workplace issues uh, between white women and leadership and usually black women, I mean, that's that, you know, kind of, um, there's, an, there's a sort of, uh, what is it, relational aggression issue where like, you know, you're within your own uh, specific one identity group, 
right? Which is you're a, you're, you're a woman and there, there might be some tension there because there's this uh, one notion where if I had to work hard in this particular identity group, so should you. And there's also a racial dimension to it. Um, so I would one assess the trust level, depending depending on like how the, the, the conversation you know is. If it's if it's like something that uh, can be on an interpersonal level, what I recommend is first like you know assessing the trust level, assessing the power situation. You know uh, where do you stand? Um, you know kind of the pros and cons. What, what do you stand to gain or lose with this with this conversation? And so with that understanding like where where do you where is your trust level so if if you have a, a much more candid sort of uh an open relationship that's that's something that you can kind of go in and you know have directly have that conversation with and then you know you, you do this intervention thing where you set the tone have the conversation use it as a learning opportunity and ask for behavioral change and hopefully they'll listen and kind of you know make that change if it's something much more entrenched and deep-seated um you know, obviously you want to, uh, you don't, you, you know, you want to kind of create an environment, you want to be part of a positive environment. So what I, um, you know, I, I typically, and I, it may be a privilege, it may be a luxury, but, you know, I usually go with the mantra of um, assuming good intent, and then kind of owning the impact of, you know, what I say, especially if I'm in a position of power responsibilities, you know, like as a man, for example, in a, in a situation or um, so, you know, there might be some blind spots. So there might be some unawareness uh, to, to those issues. Maybe no one's raised those issues um, with them. Likely they have, uh, especially now in society, you know, there's a lot of awareness of these things. Um, so, you know, you can, and this is completely up to you. Like if you're, if you're a, a, a black woman or a woman of color going to address these things, um, you know, you, this is completely up to you. You're in the, you're in the ownership seat here um, and don't do anything that's gonna jeopardize your survival and, and mental health. But like you can go in and find some common, you know, open up the conversation, find some common ground and then um, express, uh, you, you know, your level of concern. And so, you know, just like, uh, just like you've had a, a rough go at it to, because if, 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 you know, you're a woman in, in the workplace, you have not had it easy. There's no, there's no, you know, buts about it usually. And then kind of open up the conversation to being like, there are, dif there are different dimensions to being, there are different intersections in being a woman of color and, you know, a, uh, than a white woman, right? And so having that conversation, um, may have uh, uh, yield some positive outcomes. Um, oh, hello. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's something that you have to determine, you know, what's, what's, what's best for you. Um, I don't always recommend, you know, if you're in a position, if you're in a position of like down power, like you're not in the position of power to to consistently shake things up because that that affects you, right? You you have to you have to determine. Um, do I have the the capacity to do this? You are not obligated. You are not obligated to go into a work environment, learn your job, and then have to change the culture to reflect you, right? 
that's why it's a systems approach I, I always take. So I'm, I'm training leaders in understanding these situations. So I, it's a, it's a much more like a, a, a different approach than the typical like coaching thing. Um, but I mean, if you, if you, um, uh, last thing I will say about that is that, um, there is an unexplored power in the workplace in numbers. And so building connections and building networking and finding people who are experiencing the same things as you are and going at it with a much more united sort of, uh, of front about it, like is, is one of those things that you don't ever see in the workplace. It's, it's always the individual versus the institution. Um, join your affinity group if you have one in the workplace and raise these things up. Maybe there might be an opportunity there. Um, but again, like these things are so, so difficult in this country because we don't have, you know, I think uh, union participation in this country is at 7% or something like that. Uh, very, very low compared to uh, places. You don't have many avenues. Um, so if the conversation doesn't work, if it's entrenched, you could try building relationships and uh, networks and try and, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a more unified fashion, basically raising these issues. And, you know, you could even write a letter, put signatures behind it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's tough. I think, uh, I think though, if you are having the conversation, it's a good idea to figure out a way uh, to find common ground, find, build trust, like, you know, understand the, the issues, you know, um, with women, uh, being, a, being a woman in the workplace and then kind of raise the other dimension. So I hope that helps. I mean, that's a roundabout. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> no, it, it is. It, it's great. Um, I'm sorry. I don't want to share my camera right now, but <laughs> turn on my camera. But I um, I found out about you through LinkedIn. I've been seeing some of your posts and that's why I came to this uh, session. And so, yeah, I knew about why you found you founded your your um your company and I am I'm really impressed. So I, I appreciate it. And and yeah, I have been successful with some women. Um, I'm in academia um, in my in my office where I've been like one on one and said, hey, what is it? And I realized they were I somehow just being black and excellent. I, and I'm an immigrant's child, too. So I'm an overachiever. Just being myself is makes them feel ashamed. That's yeah. it. It's just it's just that I have brought up questions and done things in a different way that have been novel and have been profitable for our organization that they wished they had done, but they didn't. And so I'm having to do a lot of uh, coaching with them and mentoring and, you know, reverse, just, it's tough, but yeah, thank you. I'm committed. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michelle. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm so sorry that that burden is on your shoulders, right? Like, so, um, we are trying to build a world or build a society or build institutions where you don't have to have to worry about that. Like these things are much more out in the open. These processes are much more out in the open. And I appreciate you, you kind of tying it back to the, to the, to the threat uh, concept of specifically existing a, in a lived experience or a space of identity where you can do no right. You know, you are always, you will always be viewed as a threat. And that is, not, and there are, and I will say this from personal experience, is that, um, is that there are certain situations, I mean, there are situations where like almost whatever you do is a 
you know, it feels like a lose-lose situation, right? Like, you know, you can overachieve, you can underachieve, you're always set to certain uh, standards. And if that, those standards, those shift based on the threat level of the people in power, right? Like, so if they, if, if somebody, you know, feels threatened by you, um, because there's this whole thing about like, you know, white supremacy kind of creates this culture of, um, of, you know, you are at the top and somebody's threatening your position. And so you do whatever you have to do to maintain that position. Even you, you, you make contradictions um, out of it and then you try and justify those contradictions through propaganda and garbage, right? So, um, so you know, I'm sorry that that happens to you and I'm, I'm sorry that, I mean, that's, that's happening everywhere. So the only remedy to that, you know, I can only say is our collective approach to breaking down and making making people aware of these processes and breaking these systems down. We wanna dismantle white supremacy and we will replace it with systems that are inclusive and equitable. So no one group is dominating. No, no one group's values are, do, are in their culture is dominating, right? And so, you know, the more we, the, the, the more we democratize, the less we have these hierarchies of power. And so, um, so we're we're trying to kind of move into that situation, and um, it is it is uh, the the burden on the shoulders of uh, women, people of color, individuals with disabilities, um, especially our, our Black, Brown, Indigenous siblings, um, people with disabilities, uh, you know, people who uh, are uh, non-binary, you know, uh, uh, very sexual orientations. So, um, you know, it's it's. It's, it's a lot of where it shouldn't be our responsibility. It shouldn't be the responsibility of those who've been marginalized in these situations to have to do that because they don't have to pop. Um, the power relies with those at the top and that's traditionally wealthy, able-bodied white men. They have the responsibility, but you know, when you have power, you don't want to give it up. So it, it you know, that's, that's an unfortunate thing, but like with with a systems approach, I think with what we're doing is it's going to hopefully change things. So thank you, Michelle. I am so sorry that I have a co-host here with me today. But you been amazing. Oh. He is not having the best day. Yeah. Um, if you can give me one second, I do have a question for you before I slip right out of here. Why do you stay in this field of building inclusive and equitable um, organizations and kind of start, even starting your own business? Why do you stay in this field, even though it's heart wrenching and it's difficult to do? Sometimes I don't even know. I like, uh, I'm good at it, I guess. Um, I don't know, like it's it's part of combination of, my educational background was in um, identity politics, it was in nationalism, it was, it was in, uh, it was in like issues of, um, uh, you know, uh, tensions with, with when it comes to identity. And, and so it was a natural transition into the DEI work. Um, that coupled with just like a series of irritations in the workplace and just like my lived experiences just extrapolated it and it's just like I just have like and, and to be 100% candid about this I just have so many frustrations that I want to get out like 
you know, and I know a lot of people have them as well. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, right. I'm, I'm tired. Like I'm exhausted by the way the, the, labor is viewed in this country and identity is viewed in this country. And so, um, you know, I'm in, uh, I think because of that, I'm, I'm, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm good at it. You know, I, I'm, I'm finding like people, people relate with what I have to say and I'm, I'm good at like, um, uh, building processes. And, and so I have sort of, I'm an ENTP. So I'm like kind of, big picture sort of oriented. So my, my next big thing, my next big, um, uh, big uh, uh, area that I want to explore is this, is this marriage of, um, you know, liberation of your identity and then liberation of your labor. Like, so the economic plus the, uh, the racial social justice, right? So, um, you know, and that requires us to build equitable systems where power is shared, decision-making is shared. Um, and, uh, and so like uh, in those systems are much more um, conducive to good diversity, equity, inclusion programs than very rigid hierarchical systems. So my neck, so that's what I really like am, am looking to, to explore. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've studied history, like I can, I can do these trainings and like I, I I know, you know, how these like, you know, issues show up in the workplace in micro kind of environments where like interpersonal uh, interactions and things like that. I'm good at that. But I'm I, like, I really just like, my whole thing is like, I want to, you know, I want to build a, a better organization so that DEI isn't so hard. DEI is all bandages. It's like, it's like you're trying to, you know, kind of overcompensate for, for these like terrible, small, um, like not small, like I don't want the term micro and small is bad, but these types of inter, interpersonal interactions. And, and so these biases and these like power differentials in, um, uh, in the workplace, whereas like, you know, if you build a good system, inclusive system, equitable system, like all those things are so much easier. Like you, it's just a, it's a conversation to be had as opposed to it's embedded into the structure. So um, that's what's driving me right now. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, I don't know, just maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll stop and do something else, but, um, it's going, it's going good so far. <laughs> right. And I hope you don't ever have to get to that day where you have to stop. Um, you're doing an amazing job. So many people in this chat are just praising everything and all of the work that you've done and even what you've said today. Um, thank you so much for sharing your journey, one, and your experiences and why you continue to be in this field. Do you have any last golden nuggets before we wrap it up for today? Um, don't let the burden of bad system, uh, don't internalize the burden of bad systems. So don't let, uh, don't let problematic environments convince you that you're the problem, right? Um, so uh, stop, stop internalizing it. Like it's, it's, we are more than our individual self. We are, we have power in collective uh, groups. We, we are, you know, social beings. Um, this, indi this individual, in, uh, individualistic approach to all of these things has harmed us irreparably almost. 
Um, so we have to shift our mindset to find uh, power in the collective, to find power in our shared experiences, to find power in collective action. So um, take, take some lessons from different cultures on this and then um, and because of that, stop, stop internalizing it. You're, you're, you're doing damage to yourself. Um, and you're not going to, you're not going to change anything with that mindset. Stop internalizing it. I love it. Um, a lot of people don't have the words they need to kind of stop internalizing it. And I hope from this session alone that anybody listening out there is able to get the words they need. Um, the systems that are in place, the cage that is around you, the ownership of that cage, boundaries, gaslighting, dismissive behavior, toxic environments, the ability to ask these questions before entering the doors. Please take the words that you need away from it to stop internalizing it. It's not you, it's the system. And it's really important to tell the system that every single day. <laughs> Scream at it. Yeah, it's like, it's you, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. But thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to read some things from the chat real quick. Everybody's just singing your praises. So nice to see you here. Thank you for the sessions and the posts that you all do. Um, you receive it. profound advice. Someone said, thank you so much. Thank you all for coming tonight. Once again, this has been absolutely not. My name is Katrina Schroll. I have a screaming baby in the background. My special guest today was Farzine Farsad, the amazing person that he is. Please reach out to him if you need help with boundaries or are you thinking about creating an inclusive and equitable environment. He can definitely help you with that. Um, but thank you so much for coming today and we'll see you next time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you all for the kind words as well. Oh, bye.